And I trust that when, when things come into your life, like a hospital visit, like an injury, like a death, we've experienced that of late, I hope when those times come, because they do, they do. And we need one another when those moments come. And here's the other truth. When they come for other people, they need you. It's an opportunity for us to minister to one another. And so, so build into relationships. That's what this is partly about, is relationships with one another so that we can walk the journey of following Christ with each other. Well, we have some notes for our children, I believe. We've got some people coming down the aisles. If you're a youngster and you want some notes for today, um, that's coming. And so uh, I encourage you to... Uh, Pass those out. We've got Jake on this side and Neil over here. Looks like we even have some pencils. Man, we're squared away this morning. So if you need one of those, um, raise your hand and uh, we'll get you some notes to follow along today for you guys. Well, we're starting to do a new series this morning. It's going to be about four or five weeks. We're going to talk about angels and how they uh, work in the plan of God. Because really, they were, they were Jesus' birth announcers. They came and proclaimed that Christ had been born. And angels were very involved in, in the whole incarnation, in the whole story of, of Jesus becoming a man, of God becoming a man and, and taking on flesh for our salvation and for God's glory primarily. And so we're going to take just a few weeks here and, and we're going to talk all through the doctrine of angels. Now, you know what we typically do. We walk through books of the Bible. We've been going through the book of Philippians. We've done chapters 1 and 2. We'll pick up chapter 3 in January. But for now, we want to focus on the angels that we see in Jesus' birth and really throughout Scripture. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to focusing our attention on something that a lot of people have questions about. But a lot of people don't know the answers to many of those questions. As a matter of fact, I'll encourage you this way. If you go on the Centerpoint Center um, Facebook site... And there's a picture there of an angel. You'll find it. And you can either private message or put a question on there about angels. I'm curious what kind of questions you might have about angels. And we'll make our best effort to answer them. Some of them I won't know the answer to. But if you have questions about answers, go on the Facebook page and uh, share those with us. Either a private message or you put it on the wall there. And uh, we'll try to work those into what we're talking about. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to really bless our time in in His Word. Father, we thank You, Lord, for the opportunity to, to join here together. We come here as one body now, Lord. Your Spirit is is indwelling here in a a very special way. So, Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. God, I pray that we would have hearts that are ready to receive. And, Lord, we ask you to challenge our understanding and our belief in our heart, Lord. Because what angels show us is a great deal about your nature. And we want to know you today in a greater way. So draw us to that place. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you were asked to think about what you put on top of your Christmas tree. See, in my family, we, uh, we decorate the tree, and not everybody even has a tree. I know some people don't even have a Christmas tree, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we have a tree at our house, and, and we decorate it. And, and typically the way it works is, I kind of sit there on a chair and watch everybody else decorate it, okay? It's kind of the way it works. Except for... The final ornament, which is the angel on top of the tree. So I sit there and, you know, if I can, if I can get you there with me, there's, there's Christmas music playing. 
All right, and, and all of our kids are there and our family is there and, and I'm just sitting there, usually downstairs, the wood stove is heating up the room, it's nice and hot. The Christmas tree is there, the kids are all decorating. I tell you, it's a pretty special memory. You know, if you're a parent, you know how you can, you can see your children at any age they've ever been. Isn't that weird? Like I can picture right now my kids at 2, at 10, at 12, at, at, at 21, I can see them. And we're looking forward to my, my oldest. He'll be here for Christmas, um, coming, arriving on December 19th. We're holding the Christmas tree, okay? Because believe it or not, all six foot one, 200 pounds of him loves to decorate the Christmas tree. So we're holding it for him, and we'll decorate the tree that day. And the final ornament, the angel on top, that's dad's. Nobody else gets to do that. So you walk up, put that angel up there. Well, what's the deal with angels? Can I just challenge you? Do you believe in angels? Do you believe they exist? Or is this just some kind of like, you know, mythological idea? You know, is this sort of this construct for the weak and lonely? Or are there really such things as spiritual beings who are going to live on existing eternally into the future? And their primary role is worshiping the Lord. And right now, standing before God, are many angels worshiping Him. And Scripture is clear that they do minister to humans. And they long to understand the salvation that God has provided. Do you believe in angels? And really, I guess what we're getting at is, do you believe in the supernatural world? In the spiritual world? You know, a lot of people, they like angels. They put them on top of their tree. They send Christmas cards with angels on them. But in reality, they barely believe that anything of the spiritual nature even exists. And I want to warn you. I want to warn you from God's word. Let me put a passage of scripture up on the screen. And um, this says, this is, it's from Psalm 30, 135. And it, it's talking about idols, idolatry. It's talking about the fact that when we worship idols, it is, it is damaging to us. Look what it says. It says, they have mouths, these idols, but do not speak. They have eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouth. Those who make them become like them. No eyes, well, no seeing, no hearing, no speaking, no breathing. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. All through our culture, there are echoes of idolatry. And I tell you, Christmas is full of it. The Christmas season, as we celebrate it, is full of idols. Got to watch out for it. We're not to worship angels. We're not to get so fixated on these pieces of the Christmas celebration that we miss the Savior. See, there are echoes of idolatry all through our culture. And it it, it really, it works its way into our life. And what I want us to do as we spend the next five weeks together, I want us to look at angels, yes, but I want us to understand what we can learn about our God and our Savior as we study angels. The doctrine is called angelology, the doctrine of angels. And we're going to be talking about that at length. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about angels. I mean, just just listen to these, these few numbers. The Old Testament... 
over 100 times speaks of angels. The New Testament, over 165 times speaks of angels. 34 of the 66 books reference angels. Jesus' words are often, they often include references to angels. The, the coming of Jesus was packed full of angelology, of angels being involved. The book of Acts, angels throughout, here and there. Uh, most of your New Testament letters contain, at least the authors of all the New Testament letters, reference angels. Paul, the writer of Hebrews, Luke, Peter, John, they all reference angels. And the book of Revelation, over 65 times, angels are specifically mentioned in the book of Revelation. I mean, the Bible is filled with doctrine about angels. There is a a reality to these spiritual beings. I got a quote here from a guy named Charles Ryrie. He's a theologian. he's He's one of my favorites. And I like what he says here. If you believe the Bible... If if you claim to to believe the Bible, there's no question when you look at the Bible about the existence of angels. Well, turn with me to Luke chapter 1, and let's let's be introduced to an angel here. And my plan is to, to almost overwhelm you today with truth about angels. I want us to see many things about them. But let's start and let's read Luke chapter 1, verse number 8. Now, it might strike you as, as we are reading this as a Christmas passage that the birth of Jesus is really not the main, main emphasis of this passage. But it's one coming, John the Baptist, who will prepare the way for the Messiah. It's about his birth. So let's read as the, the birth of John the Baptist is explained to his father by an angel. Now, while he, this is Zechariah, was serving as priest before God, I'm in verse number 8 of chapter 1, when his division was on duty, and according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. So picture it. Zechariah goes into the temple, and everybody else is outside. He's all alone now. He's the only one who's allowed to enter this day. He's it. So there he is in the temple. And notice what happens. And there appeared to him, verse number 11, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. Now we can slip in, let me just pause here just for a minute. We can slip into thinking. Well, this is happening all the time. This is Bible times, man. Angels are showing up left and right. That's happening all the time. That's not the truth. That's not the case. We are looking at the end of what we call the 400 silent years. 400 years where God has not spoken directly to His people. There's been very little activity. Spiritual activity, very little We call it the 400 silent years. Where was our country 400 years ago? Hmm, it wasn't. Put this in perspective now. It is not the case that angels are showing up left and right all the time. That's not the case at all. So as you might expect, Zechariah is just taken back by this and filled with fear as you and I would as well. But the angel said to him, verse number 13, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, 
for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. They were childless up to this point. Which in this culture was a horrible thing to walk through. He will bear you a son. She will bear you a son. And you shall call his name John. This is the cousin of Jesus. John the Baptist. And you will have the angel speaking now in verse number 14. And you will have joy and gladness, glad, gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he would be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or, drink, or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit of power in Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready the Lord a people prepared. Huge angel moment as the angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah. Now, what I want to do as we, as we walk through this, this study of angels is, is I'm, I'm not so interested, I'm, I'm not as interested in learning about angels. I'm more interested in learning about God and seeing what angels show us about our Lord. Because we, be, we could become experts on angels. We could have all the knowledge in the world about angels. But without the Lord and without His Son, Jesus Christ, you know what that does? That only puffs us up. So I want to allow the truth about angels to fulfill our purpose as a church. I want the truth about angels to point us to Jesus Christ. I want us to see that these real spiritual beings who truly exist show us a great deal about our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, our Messiah. The first thing we need to see is that angels reveal something about God, and that is they reveal His powerful nature. They are gonna, we're, as we look at what the Bible says about angels, we are going to see that, there, that God is a powerful being. And I want us to be moved to worship as we consider what angels show us about God. Now here's how I'm going to do it. So be prepared. We are going to fly through seven, eight passages of Scripture to understand a little bit about angels, and then we'll go back to Luke chapter 1, okay? So that's our plan. You come with me, all right? Let's go first. We're not going to turn to every passage, but I do want you to return to one, and that's in Job chapter 38. Find Job. Here's how you find it. Go to the middle of your Bible. Probably open up the Psalms. Turn left, one book. Job 38. In my Bible, it's on page 800. So go there with me, Job chapter 38, and let's see what we find about angels. Job chapter 38. Now as you're turning there, let me just tell you that there's a conversation going on between Job and the Lord. As odd as that is, probably the oldest, oldest uh, piece of history in your Bible is right here, okay? And there's a conversation going on between Job and the Lord. And honestly, Job has begun questioning the Lord. Putting questions to the Lord and, and almost questioning God's character in a way. And so God, even though he isn't required to defend himself, out of grace does. Job 38, verse 1. Read along with me. It says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you. This is God speaking. I will question you, 
and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know, Job. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? Now listen. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. You see what God is saying there? These two terms, morning stars and sons of God, are words used for angels. What this shows us is that angels were there when God created what we see here. God created the angels, and they were witnesses of His creative act. Now, I don't know exactly when God created the angels. I really can't tell you for sure when it happened. I have a personal opinion. I believe it happened after verse number 1, between 1 and 2 of Genesis 1-1. But I can't tell you for sure. But I know that God made them, and I know that they witnessed the creation. The angels themselves saw what God did and worshipped Him because of it. So angels are created beings. They are not eternal. They have not existed eternally in the past. You see, angels are not to be worshipped. Why would you worship a created one? Angels were made by God. Moving along, in Daniel chapter 7, verse number 10, it tells us about the number of angels. I'll put it up on the screen for you. Along the way, I'll I'll have some verses on the screen. You can read along there as, as, as you want to. But in Daniel chapter 7, verse 10, what we see is that Daniel describes the number of angels... ESV says, ten thousands of ten thousands. It's literally myriads of myriads. And what this is, is it's a number that is, that is really, it means innumerable. In other words, the number of angels, the number of spiritual beings that God has created are too vast for us to number. Ten thousands of ten thousands of angels that God has made. It's amazing to think about what this means. If you turn to the last book of your Bible, Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, there we see angels worshiping before the throne of God. And so we need to understand why angels were made. Angels were made primarily, now listen to this, as a worshiper of God. Now you might say, well, why does God make worshipers? Why does God want us to worship Him? Why does God make these beings whose role is to worship Him? A person could say, well, you know, isn't that kind of self-seeking of God? To make a worshiper? To remake us as worshipers? How's that not self-seeking? The reason why it's not self-seeking is because it is a loving act for God to make an angel, to make you a worshiper. It is loving for God to remake you as a worshiper. Why is that loving? Because that's the greatest thing you can do. That's the best thing you can do. God is giving you His very best when He makes you a worshiper of Him. So when the Lord created these angels, it was an act of love to make them as Worshippers, So let your mind, I know it's very difficult for us to understand, but there are ten thousands of ten thousands, innumerable angels right now worshiping God. That's how great He is. 
going on, going on. And see what else the Bible has to say. There's, I'm, I'm not going to hit everything, but in Hebrews chapter 1, it explains to us that angels are ministering spirits. What that means is serving spirits. That they come alongside and serve humans to fulfill God's purpose. And God uses angels to work out His plan in our life. Now, how does that exactly work? I can't tell you that. I don't know. All I know is what Hebrews 1.14 says. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Now, do, do angels protect us? Do, do angels lead us? Do, do angels work in some way to, to protect you from danger? I think that might be a good, good guess. I really can't answer that completely. But I know that, they, that the Lord uses them to fulfill His purpose. And He loves us as His children. And so He uses them to show that love. Now, that's not all they do, though. When you read in Revelation, chapter 16, verse 1, I'll put that up on the screen, and throughout the book of Revelation, we see that angels, though they care and they serve and they minister to the needs of the elect... Angels are an an awesome hand of God of judgment. When you read through Revelation, over and over and over, you see God's wrath being poured upon the earth again. His, His tool that He uses are angels. And then finally, uh, there's two passages from Matthew I'm going to show you. Um, 16.27 talks about when Jesus comes back, the, the angels of God will come with Him in glory. And in Matthew 26, think about this, Jesus on the cross. Jesus coming to the cross. He says, Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father and He will at once send more than 12 legions of angels? I think what we need to, as we, as we just survey some of the things that, that we see about angels, we have to recognize that they show us that we serve a powerful God. We, you, you, if you know Christ, you're in relationship today with a God of ultimate power who at His disposal are these spiritual beings. They are a spirit being without a body. You are a spirit being with a body. Understand that truth. And these ones are at God's command, at His beck and call to fill His will, to fulfill what God desires to be done. Now, don't pray to angels. We don't, we don't seek, we don't pray, oh God, send an angel to me. No. We cry out to God and trust that He will bring the help that He wants to bring into our life. We cry out to God that He will bring the aid that is in our life. We cry out to God that He will minister to us. And it is God's, it is God's really decision of how He fills that desire and that plea in our life. But know this truth. You serve a powerful God. Go back to Luke chapter 1. Did you keep your finger there? Go to Luke chapter 1. Let's see Zechariah living this out in front of us. Luke chapter 1. We have Zechariah there in the temple. And, and boy, does he have quite a day. Quite a day. Jump down to verse number 11. 
there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. I want you to notice he sees this angel, this unseen spiritual being. God has allowed Zechariah to see him. The Lord can do that when he desires. So Zechariah sees this angel, and when he sees him, he is troubled. When he sees him, and he, he's nearly falling on his face in fear. Now listen to the words of this angel. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Now who is it that Zechariah prays to? Is it this angel? Of course not. It is God. We do not, there is no other mediator other than Jesus Christ between man and God. He's the only one. So this angel here is coming from the Lord with a special message to Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Angels are real. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. This angel has special insight because of God. He knows what God is going to do. God has given this angel insight into what he's going to do, and he shares that with Zechariah. He brings a message to Zechariah for him to hear. And you will have joy, in the, verse number 14, and you will have joy and gladness, and many rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. I want you to see here that angels are worshiping God. The, the, the words of the angels are, don't worship me. Worship the Lord, and you will have gladness and joy and and filled with great joy. I love this passage for for the insight it gives us into a man who met an angel. And he's moved in his heart with worship for the Lord. Now, let let me ask a question. So do we pray to angels? Do we... What, is worshiping angels, I mean, if they're sent from God, is that okay? Can we, can we worship, can we pray to an angel? Can we pray to a saint? Can we pray? No. No, we go through Jesus Christ alone. And these angels reveal great truth to us about our Father. First of all, that He is powerful. Secondly, is that He's relational. I want you to see the relational nature of our Heavenly Father as we look at angels. Now go to another passage. Go back in your Bible to 2 Kings. 2 Kings. Okay, go back a little bit further than Job. Okay, 2 Kings. In my Bible on page 550. 2 Kings chapter 6. This is my favorite angel story, guys. My favorite angel story in the whole Bible is right here. Okay? I love telling this story outside in a field. I wish we'd go out on the property right now and sit everybody down in the grass and I could tell you this story that truly happened and it's a great picture of what is true of our Heavenly Father. 2 Kings chapter 6. There's a battle raging, getting ready to rage. Israel is there and they're surrounded by enemy forces. And they're outnumbered and they're outgunned. They're going to lose the battle and they know it. If it's up to just them, they're going to lose. And in verse number 11 of chapter 6 of 2 Kings, it says, The mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? So we have a, we have a group of people who are, who are afraid that they're going to be conquered. And Elisha, the man of God, steps forward to comfort Go down to verse number 15. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning, went out, and behold, an army of horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? 
surrounded, surrounded by enemies. Elisha says, do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of this young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Imagine if we could see, if we could see the supernatural spiritual world. Imagine. I I, I don't know. C.S. Lewis says this. If we could see if we could see those that are of the spiritual world right now, we'd be either drawn to worship them or to cower in fear before them. This one, God opened up his eyes to see, and he was moved. And I want to comfort you with this truth. The God who is powerful is also relational. He desires relationship with you. I want you to see this as we walk through some more truth of angels. This is that they're typically unseen. Angels are typically unseen. We don't, we don't see them. Let's just walk through a couple of verses quickly on the screen. Colossians 1 shows us that they are made by God. They were created by the Lord. He created all things, whether visible or invisible. He created all things, thrones and dominions and rulers and authorities. These are all words for angels. He made them all. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 4, though, shares with us that these are spiritual beings, okay, who at one point had an opportunity to turn to the Lord or turn away from Him. These spiritual beings, angels, had a choice to make. Will I worship God or will I worship another? This is the decision that all spiritual beings have to make. And you are a spiritual being as well. These spiritual beings were given the choice, will you worship God or not? Those that worshipped God remained as angels of the Lord. God's angels, spiritual beings. Those that rebelled against God We call them demons. Other spiritual beings who choose to worship God by looking to His Son, Jesus Christ, and receiving His forgiveness are called children of God. Those who do not choose to worship Him, who choose another path, are called children of the devil. See, spiritual beings are called to make a decision. The angels made that decision. Their decision was made once and done. God is offering us salvation today. Will you worship God? Will you turn to God? Peter says this, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, and committed them to change of gloomy darkness, and be kept until the judgment, won't He do the same with us? Rebel against him. So they're spiritual beings, meaning they are involved in spiritual worship of God. Okay, just going through a couple more things here. Luke chapter 20, verse 36 is up on the screen. What it shows is that these angels will exist eternally. 
just like other spiritual beings. You see, all spiritual beings are going to exist eternally. There is no end of the road for a spiritual being. The angels exist eternally. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 shows us that they have intelligence, these angels do. They have intelligence. Luke 15, verse number 10, explains that they have emotion. This is where it says, when a sinner repents, the angels in the presence of God, those in the presence of God, are worshiping Him, are rejoicing over a sinner who repents. They have emotion, angels do. And then finally, Hebrews 1, 6 explains that they have a will. The reason why this verse explains they have a will is because they're commanded here, let all God's angels worship Him. So realize that you and angels are a lot alike. There's a lot of similarities between you and angels. Let's just walk through some of them. You were created, so were angels. You are a spiritual being, so are angels. You have a choice to make. Will you worship God or not? As did angels. You have an intellect, so you can, you can listen now and you can understand these truths and God can, can bring these truths to your mind. You have emotion. So you can be moved with sorrow and joy over the truths of God or the truths of life. You have a will. You have a decision to make. And you can exercise that will. And all of that is true of angels as well. But there is a vast difference. There's a huge difference between you and an angel. And that is that salvation is open to you today. Isn't that a great truth? Isn't it a great truth that God in His mercy and His grace has opened a door up for you to respond to grace, respond to Jesus? Now go back to the passage that we're really studying today. Go back to Luke chapter 1. Go there with me. Luke chapter 1. Let's jump in at verse number 13 and see this relational nature of the angels and of God. Luke 1, verse 13. Now the angel said to him, don't be afraid, we read a lot of this, okay? Jump down to verse 14. You will have joy and gladness and rejoice at his birth. We will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink and be filled with the Holy Spirit, even his mother's womb. Verse 16. Now listen to what this angel proclaims about God. What this angel is showing us about our Lord. Verse 16. And he, this is the son of Zechariah, will turn many of, many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before them in the, spirit of, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Angels reveal to us that God is a relational God. I want you to see the heartbeat of God. Verse 16. This John the Baptist will come and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord. This is God's desire for people. And now he has sent, imagine this, he has sent this great spiritual being. That if you and I saw them, we'd be tempted to worship him. And he sends him for the sole reason of sending out this one to prepare people to respond to the Messiah. This is God's relational desire for us. For us. Now, I don't know what your relationship was like with, say, your parents. 
your father, your mother, choose whichever one you want to. But you know, a lot of times we, we look at God through the lens of our parents. Parents are well aware of that. Okay? So are children. And there's a lot of good things about that. Your parents are, they were, they were meant to be a provider for you. They were meant to love you. They were meant to protect you. They were meant to direct you. That's what God intended. But in reality, every parent drops the ball, right? All the parents know. Yeah, that happens. And so, there is a, it's, it's good to look at our parents to, to maybe think about what God is like. But in reality, God goes beyond that. God has no ba- bad side. God has no bad days. God doesn't wake up in a bad mood. God doesn't come home from work cranky. God doesn't leave. God doesn't depart. God doesn't forsake. God wants relationship. He sent an angel here. He sent an angel to prepare the way for one who would prepare the way for people to know God. We have a relational God. One that desires relationship with us. Connection with us. Don't let that go away in your mind. Don't let that get old in your mind. Don't let that wear off in your mind. The vast number of people across this world, they don't, they don't follow a God who wants relationship with them. The vast number of people don't know anything of a God that wants relationship with them. They, they have a God who wants nothing but their direct obedience to His Word. Go and do. Go and do. I don't care about you. Just do what I'm telling you to do. The vast amount of the world, that's the God with little g, that they follow. But the God of the universe wants relationship with us. Lastly, we see that that the angels reveal the relational nature of God, but they also reveal something else about God that is good news. And that's this. God has a good news nature. God has a good news nature. You're in Luke 1. Look down with me, would you? Look down to verse number 19. Look what it says. I am Gabriel, the angel says. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Angels reveal God's good nature, good news nature that is. God is one to bring good news. Now I find it it's just fascinating to me that this angel has a name. His name is Gabriel. I'm only aware of two angels that are named in the Bible. Okay, anybody know the other name? Michael. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Let me give you a verse just so you can see that. Michael is called the archangel. This is first, the priority. He's the leader of the angels, apparently. And in this passage in Jude chapter 9, we have the archangel Michael. He's in a battle with Satan. As weird as this might seem. But he is the the ruling angel of all the angels. He's in in other passages in the Bible, in Daniel and so forth. But but in Jude, we see him here as the archangel. But we also have Gabriel. 
I'll put Daniel 8 up on the screen. And that's the very angel that showed up here that day with Zechariah. Now look what Daniel says. I'll read the passage for you. 16 says, Daniel writes, I heard a man's voice between the banks of this river and it, was, and it called out, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So he came near where I stood and when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. But he said to me, understand, O son of man, that the vision is for the time of the end. Here's what we see about Gabriel. Gabriel is a messenger of God. Just like Zechariah, he says, I stand in the presence of God and I come to speak to you a message. What this reveals to us is that our God's nature here, our God's nature is to bring good news. To bring good news. I'm ready for good news. How about you? I'm growing a little tired of old news, of bad news, of sad news, of depressing news. But this angel Gabriel brought good news. Because that's what our God is like. That's what our God is like. He's a messenger of good news. But what's the good news? Hear the good news. No matter what may come, no matter what your day may hold, no matter what your life has been, here's the good news for all of us. Jesus Christ came to save sinners, of whom I think I might be chief. I think I might be the worst one. And you think that about you. But he comes bringing good news. For Zechariah, it was the birth of a son. That was great news. But the ultimate news was that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, was coming to earth. Question, do you know him? Are you prepared to worship him? Are, do you move, does your heart move with emotion of worship for this God who's powerful, who's relational, who brings good news? I hope today, I hope today in your heart, I hope that there's a spirit of worship in you. As we think about these other spiritual beings and what they were made for, they indicate great truth about God and they indicate great truth about what God wants. Worshippers. Worshippers. Let's talk to him. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the truth that you made us to worship and then we messed it up. So you remade us, Lord. You remade us capable to worship you. Father, we want to do that now in spirit and truth. We know that there will come a day when we will be next to those angels. And we'll worship you. And Lord, so now we do it. And in a way, it's almost like a shadow of what is to come. It's, a, it's, a, it's an effort for us to praise you and to worship you. Because that's what we were made for. So Lord, we do long for the day when we're with you. But until that day comes, Lord, we want to join the heavenly host and worship you now because you deserve it. Now just listen, with, with, your, with your head bowed, with your eyes closed, just, I want you to do business with the Lord. It could be that somebody today needs to put their trust in Jesus. The truth is, you've been around this stuff for some time maybe, but you need to put your trust in Jesus Christ. The angels don't have another opportunity. You do. They say, what do I do? 
You just cry out to God from your heart. You tell Him you know you're a sinner. You tell Him you understand that Jesus Christ died in your place for the forgiveness of your sins. And that you want to receive that as His gift to you. A gift you could never earn. A gift you can do nothing to keep. A gift you can do nothing to pay back. But you receive His gift of salvation. As your Savior and Lord, you cry out to Him, Save me. Listen, you pray a prayer like that in your heart. And the angels in heaven rejoice. Let's join them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.